0: Of studios in Dublin. Welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Dara Rochet.
1: I'm Eimear Duffy. I'm Geraldine McAvoy.
0: And our very special guest today is Sinead Burke.
1: Yeah, that's me. Hi. How
0: are you getting on, Sinead? I'm
1: Good, thank you. How are you? Thanks very much for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. I know this place isn't quite as glamorous as some of the places you've been recently. Oh, it's
1: the most glamorous place I've been. I mean, you should really see the Headstuff headquarters. It's incredible.
0: More fabulous than Davos?
1: Less snow. Less snow. So I'd say yes. (laughs) More
0: fabulous than the White House? Mm,
1: They just, you know, just slightly, slightly
0: more. Most of our listeners will know who you are because you're you're wonderful, but some of them won't. So maybe you could introduce yourself a little
1: Sure. My name is Sinead Brick, and I am an academic writer and advocate. At least that's what my very new business cards say. Um, My background's in education. I'm a primary school teacher by trade, and I use the internet, or at least attempt to, to instigate curious conversations and to facilitate advocacy, particularly around the disabled community and being a little person.
0: And I have to say that shortly after my own daughter was diagnosed with um, with Down syndrome, I I had never really paid a lot of attention to disability issues before and how important language is. And it was actually my friendship with Sinead that helped me tackle all these issues. And I'm really just delighted she joined us today.
1: No, I'm honoured. Thank you so much. I'm sure we'll get into it later. Mm -hmm. But you completely helped me in a totally other way. And I imagine... An audience doesn't want to listen to both of us just fawn over one another, <laughs> we can do that off the air. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm so excited to join you. Congratulations on all of your episodes so far! Thank you.
2: Myself and Geraldine will just sit back here and look the two of Yeah, just no, chat please participate. <laughs> we
1: have
2: the nothing, we have nothing fantastic to contribute. <laughs> <laughs>
0: One of the big issues with disabilities is the way people talk about it and even when people with the best will in the world and sometimes find they don't have the vocabulary to talk about in, in, in a respectful way, sometimes people don't even realise that some of the actual terms they use, completely unrelated, might have an ableist uh, root. The Absolutely. one the one most recently that I've been thinking about that I would have used frequently until I actually gave it much thought was the expression, well, duh, yeah. which I never actually associated with being a, 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 related to disabilities affecting speech until... I actually was, um, it was something I had to think about every single day of my life. And I know a lot of people would say that without even even crossing their mind what the origin of it might be.
1: I think that's really fundamental and almost intrinsic to us as Irish people. I Mm -hmm. think as a society, we have historically viewed disability through a medical lens. Mm -hmm. And it's been about the individual's medical makeup. and how their disability or impairment has defined them and that's always been the narrative and I think the disability community and individual advocates have tried to tilt that lens to make it more looking through the world through a social model and for me as a little person standing at three foot five inches tall it's not necessarily my achondroplastic genes and my Mm. achondroplasia that makes me disabled but it is the lack of consideration for my needs when the built environment was created but Despite the built environment, language has such an important part in my life and giving me autonomy and agency. And I think for me, as much as I demand people to be more conscious of their language based on little people, Mm -hmm. I then have a responsibility to do the exact same what you were talking about. And for me, it's even making sure that as regards to mental health, that my awareness and language is not ableist within that perspective, Mm -hmm. because I've caught myself saying several times, God, that's mad. Mm -hmm. Like, What does that mean? Who's mad? And what does it mean to be mad? And is mad not just an ableist definition or at least description of mental health and mental illness? And what am I doing by framing my language in that way? And what other words can I bring into my vocabulary that means the same thing, whether it is odd or strange or whatever it is. And I think we're just so accustomed and comfortable with ableist language because there hasn't been many platforms to even discuss Mm. it.
0: And there's some people at home who will be wondering what this is to do with the Irish language. But, yeah. but first of all, we are coming to that. But first of all, the expression itself, little person, will be very recent to some people. Yeah. Uh, do you want to maybe give us an example of wh- sure. wh- why I replaced other terms?
1: The most well-known and the largest organisation for little people occurs in America. It's Little People of America. And the very first convention that happened for that organisation was under the title of Midgets of America. And it was during that first meeting that particularly female little people, um, women with dwarfism, kind of challenged that language. Because the word midget came from the era of P.T. Barnum. So Mm. P.T. Barnum is played by Hugh Jackman in that new film that everybody is talking about. The Showman? The Greatest Showman? The Greatest Showman, showman. showman, yeah. Mm. So the soundtrack is really brilliant. But actually the one thing that that film doesn't discuss is that prior to P.T. Barnum's investment in popular culture, his circuses and freak shows were vehicles for disability. Mm -hmm. And in order to market little people and people with dwarfism, he used to say, come see the midgets. And as a society, we have evolved hugely as regards to people with disabilities and where they are in -hmm. terms of employment and education and social structure. But our language in many ways has not. So the women in Little People of America challenged the board and the governance and rechanged the name from midges of america to little people of america and over that time language has changed within my community now still Mm. many friends of mine would be very comfortable with describing themselves as a dwarf particularly in the uk and in the united states me personally it's not something i would ever say i would say i have dwarfism but i would say that i'm a little person but as i said in my introduction i'm a teacher by trade yeah and when I wanted to be a primary school teacher, I knew that the Irish language was always a really important gateway into third level education. I knew that at minimum, I had to get a C3 in Honours Irish. And fundamental to that was my oral exam. And I remember being really conflicted going into that assessment and, you know, the first question is, dom mm-hmm. ishtamfutza? And I'm there, oh, it's the burka, agus you know, tommy, shockflin, deg, dish, agus but yet, the biggest part of me in terms of my identity and being disabled was not something that existed in the Irish language because I would have had to use the word avoc, mm-hmm. which is the word for dwarf. And yet in English, it's not something I had to do. But in Irish, I was forced to identify as that. I felt just to get the marks because I didn't want to go into an exam situation and make an Irish word up yeah. for fear that the examiner would say, oh, that's me cat. So it was kind of this very friction and conflicted place as regards to my identity, but also knowing that this was something that I had to do to get into college.
0: And that's the thing, the fact that the, the actual freedom to use language, especially because Irish is so often presented in an educational context, the issue of being wrong and someone else making that decision is is very powerful and yeah. quite heavily. And so, so
1: subjective, because mm-hmm. for me, language is a tool of empowerment, but also a tool for oppression. And often that oppression is not even conscious. That again, it's just because it's so habitual to us in terms of our vocabulary and language that previously we haven't been challenged or. And it's that forcing of advocates to do that emotional mm-hmm. labor to educate us as regards to what is preferable. And I think we are moving into this new culture of a fear of political correctness. Yeah. And this notion that it's political correctness gone mad. Mm-hmm. And even that's problematic as a phrase. Yeah. But for me, it's really interesting because that phrase is often uttered by the majority who Mm. have long held the power and i think the least we can do to those who we have historically oppressed is listen to them when they say what language best articulates their identity and gives them pride and the very least Mm. we can do is arm ourselves with that and and equip it
0: i find something that really bothers me very deeply is how humor is often used to defend utter privilege particularly Mm -hmm. the i'm only joking when i said this and that and it's something I know that we'll get into, but more importantly, before we get into that and giving out of people who are doing things the wrong way, how did you tackle your conflict with <laughs> all?
1: um So I have been using the internet for blogging about kind of fashion and interviewing interesting people since, gosh, almost a decade, 2008, 2009, oh. and have built up somewhat of an audience. Um, I'm very fortunate to have done so. And... I think as we began conversing online, I don't think we'd met at this stage, mm-hmm. and as my interest in Irish, particularly after college, grew, I was reminded of that frustration. Yeah. And I remember DMing you, being like, hey, Derek, I have a question. Mm-hmm. How does one get a word put in the Irish language? And you said, you know, kind of to make contact with the relevant bodies. So I boldly emailed them and was like, hi, first and mm-hmm. great, it's my Sinead the Like, you know, nilatna gott, urmsa, and just put in the question and said, you know, how does a new word be placed within the Irish language? Because again, as regards to my education of the Irish language, that idea of being creative and innovative within this space was not necessarily something that was taught in the classroom. So it was my own boldness and courageousness. And they said, well, we meet once a month. We have a discussion about new words that could possibly come in. What's your suggestion? And I went with the direct translation of Dinebjog, which there are some problems with. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not idealistic. But First Nagrejka and, and Terma.ie were incredible in their discussion of this. And I think just within a couple of days, it was on Terma.ie. And for me, the power of that in terms of being able to identify and the pride, and mm. not just for me, but for my friends who are little, who are currently going through the junior cert oral exam, who are currently going through the leaving cert oral exam, mm. who don't have that nervousness that I did when walking into the examination and being able to say, it's Misha Sinead, the Burka because it's the May," I mean, that's armor. Mm-hmm. you already have two lines in
0: fantastic um, Garrigine this is a world you're familiar with
1: yeah sorry I'm going to cry
3: here as somebody <laughs> who who researches language and the importance of language that just epitomises everything that was beautiful um uh, but yeah, I worked with Terminology for for a couple of years, and um, it's you know we we would often get requests about I uh, don't have the word for this, don't have the word for that. We got some strange ones. I remember getting muffin top once. Nobody mm. had the, the word for muffin top, and
1: they <laughs> it's they, a good thing. they really <laughs> wanted it.
3: I, look, I don't know what people do at two a.m. when they're emailing Terminology, but anyway. Um, but yeah, there was a, a bit of a, a process to get a new word. We we have different processes. I'd imagine you probably got one of the quickest responses, yeah. probably from a lexicographer point of view, it's because maybe didn't be, it's a pretty straightforward translation. Yeah. Which I mean, there that that's there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it is what it what it says it is. Um, so that's probably why it was so speedy. And as well as that they're the, the term wasn't really there you mentioned dwarf yeah. but that comes from a different um I suppose a different background I'd imagine yeah. probably something a little more mythical I'm not sure
1: and a little more medical and exactly. that was even the initial problems with Dinebjog because there's quite a lot of words within the Irish language to do with kind of mythical creatures and fairies and and it was trying to make that discrimination between mm-hmm. myth fiction medical yeah and like kind of social models and I'm not sure Dina Pyogh is the best answer, but I think it's a really good starting point to instigate this conversation. To exactly. Go
3: and it, and it's something it's something to start with. And, and you know, language does change. I mean, and popular use is a huge part of the process of, of making language and, and constructing language and putting it out there. We would also look at other languages. Uh, we used a lot of uh, French Canadian work mm-hmm. because they, they work an awful lot to make sure that their language isn't affected by English and to make sure that they they preserve their language. So, you know, that's one process of doing it. But but it can change. I mean there is a facility to change. Uh definitely uh there's the facility to add more terms depending on popular use. And um so if anyone out there does think of particular uh terms, you know, do can um, <laughs> I know we had on our our episode with Ola, she mentioned that she really hates the word for... Uh, she hates dinagram. Yeah, she hates dinagram, mm. Um, Which, you know, never occurred to Dara I when we were interviewing her. And she was saying it was coming from a place of colonisation, it meant Negro, and she just really hated that and we should reconstrue the way we... we Talk about people of color.
0: The big thing is, yeah, that the fact of the far dove may have once meant devil, yeah, but no yeah. one who's say referring to the devil has used that in a very long time, and it's actually, you think if if someone is talking to the devil, say a, a yowl or something mm, like that, yeah. and and far dove is actually a fairly obscure term, and it's it's okay to revisit both now. The the Absolutely. origins of dinner are probably a little bit lost in antiquity. Some people think it's down to Moorish traders wearing blue robes. That's probably I don't yeah, that. very tenuous. And okay.
3: I'd, I'd argue that uh, then a dove being devil is, is arguably less problematic than coming from the origin that it comes from. So, I mean, there is, you know, you've yeah. proven it's a vehicle for change. It's possible to to get this changes happening. So, you know, it's language is, is constantly flowing, constantly moving. And and it is something that is possible and can bring about a social change. Because if you don't have the word, how how can you talk about these phenomenons? How can you talk about things in society if you literally don't even have the, the words for it? So. I mean, definitely, if anyone has listening who has an idea or is unhappy with terminology, don't be afraid to challenge the norm like Sinead did. Absolutely.
2: I've been trying to butt in for the last four minutes (laughs) here. We're yacking on so much. Um, As of (laughs) ten past six in the evening on Tuesday, the 13th of February 2018, there is no search result on Therma.ie for muffin top. So yeah. Geraldine,
3: you're terrible at your job. <laughs> I'm telling you, this this is what I'm telling you. I worked there last in 2014. It was 2012, I think, that we got the email at, about muffin top. That's how long it takes to wow. develop terminology.
1: Well, you, I think you should readdress this <laughs> issue and start emailing right yeah. now.
3: Well, I think so. You got um, fast traction, aid You must know people look, in, in high place. No? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a bit self though. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: don't come in here
3: talking about how
2: language is a vehicle for change. And
1: powerful, when you can't even get muffin yeah. top in the Irish language. I well, mean, you can't even
3: do your
2: own job right. <laughs> Sorry. That's
3: why I don't work there anymore. They fired me. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> clearly. Look, you can't <laughs> translate muffin top. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's no one else in kind of the office on. could, clearly. <laughs> <Play> <laughs> <enough>.
0: <laughs> well, every now and then they do rush it. We do have an entry in terminology for fake news. Oh. Yeah. brágnucht.
3: Yeah. See, this is the thing. Maybe there was a a call for for Dennebyogh. There was a call for for right. fake news. I feel like maybe on nocht, you know what? Before six o'clock, before the six o'clock news, they weren't really desperately trying. Lads, we need that word from off and top, and we needed mm-hmm.
2: stat. So we what you're right saying now. is, if
1: Angus Macrina. Makes yeah. a request, it'll happen during
2: Can we get him on the podcast? I heard he has llamas, no alpacas.
3: <laughs> he
1: has alpacas. alpacas. Yeah, he yeah. does.
0: I'll have my people contact him. Isn't people.
3: he leaving our tea?
2: He's
0: He, he is? a lot
1: of free time. He lives a bit distraught. <laughs> mm-hmm. He'll be in.
0: Okay, before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about another podcast which I think you might enjoy 101 The Ways We Learn, in which Jane and Shane meet a different person each week and examine the way they learn something, such as cycling, coding, or in this week's episode, swimming. Or ex as we say in Irish.
3: The first thing now that I would do with you is just, if you hold on to the side of the pool, mm-hmm. and even just raise your um, heels off the floor mm-hmm. and let your toes lift off the bottom, yeah. and just, just put just a bob, and just feel the water with your hands, because it's all about how the water feels yeah. and how they're, they're moving the water in order to swim. So it's all about getting a feel of the water. Yes. All you need to yes. do is breathe mm-hmm. and relax. Okay. And everything else will come really, really easy after that. So it's about having confidence in yourself. Okay. Oh okay? no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was 101 The Ways We Learn, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. One of the other very respectful kind of terms that's been introduced recently, and this is again something... That mm. the people who who write the notes are often put in a position they write the first draft of the terminology, and if it's already been in use, it's good. But one of the ones for the traveling community is Lach shul, though moving people are the walking people. Wow! Particularly because some of the terms for the traveling community in English are, maybe are, are subject to constant mm. review or uh-huh. aren't. Or can have associations with them, and the I think the Irish form is particularly beautiful.
3: Yeah, I quite like that one. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a member of the traveling community. And I don't know necessarily how the, the traveling community feel about it, and it obviously be up to them. But mm-hmm. I do think it is quite nice, and it it seems to have remained stagnant over. I, I mean, I know looking back, you you will find references to to um uh far back. So perhaps it is more stagnant, and there's been less need for change and maybe they're more respected in, in the Irish language culture than, mm. than in English culture. I'm I'm not sure. That's just speculative. I just
0: love the phrase looked for people. It's bit of luck as well, you know, like a It reminds
1: me of a mouse I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, yeah. It's cute. Yeah. Like it just a, reminds me of my leaving set, unlocked <laughs> <laughs> fair. And you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Luft
1: cyber. That's that's the yeah. Labour party, isn't it? Yeah. Of course And are
2: followers looked Lan Una? lan lanuna. Oh. lanuna.
0: That's why a fangirl is Lan Una.
2: Oh, oh man, oh. that's awesome.
0: When you're finished chewing,
2: <laughs> you're breaking the fourth wall there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. Let's
0: I'm not get too. Neon multiple snakes. On mm, yeah. a Brachton, their father. Mm. <laughs> What's and and the what's the, 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 the grade of wala. Brexit? Remember oh, it being well, very disappointing. Well, this is the thing. Oh. Um, Brexit. A- actually, I'm glad you mentioned this because this was Garagey and my first first interaction. Online. Yeah, oh, I but, uh, so we Im- had a
3: row on Twitter. <laughs> and I,
0: I was so impressed that I immediately recruited her for my yeah. podcast.
3: He did. Oh. Yeah, he fangirled. He and me. Oh, Woo! <laughs> Excellent segue. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, Derek had very, I would say, cruelly disbanded Terminology for translating. Brexit as Brexit. Um and there, like there's some really good and I think even Nuacht had been using mm. Bratamach and uh Sasa-mach I really and, like Sossamach. Uh, Slonbon Brathmach, which was pretty good. Yeah. Um
0: Slon-bon-brana. Yeah,
3: Slánbon that was it. <laughs> um, which I really enjoyed. But like from a translation point of view, it's not it's it's a proper noun effectively. It, mm-hmm. it's it's not okay, the process of uh of Britain leaving the EU is a process. You can describe that in one way, but the proper noun for it was Brexit. It was a made-up word. So therefore, you take that, and that's why it's it stays the same. It is disappointing. I get that. I get that Brath and Mock is better. But yeah, we had an argument on Twitter. I was like, well, actually. And, <laughs>
2: and how the tables have turned. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, well, actually, people on, on Twitter are like, or mm-hmm. <laughs> the yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: It's true, that with proper nouns, like, say, Black Lives Matter isn't translated. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it, it was translated by one guy in America who did a bad T-shirt. He translated Blue Lives Matter, but he translated <laughs> each word separately. It's a great blog post about it, which we will share on the, on yeah. the Associate Twitter account. But also, um, the Home Sweet Home Homeless Advocacy Movement mm-hmm. wasn't translated because they thought, well, if we, we can't call it Nilein Tenton or on Fain, that would take too long, and also it's not a direct translation. Having said that, sometimes translation offers the opportunity for correction, We all know it wasn't Britain. What does believe in the European Union is the United Kingdom. Mm. And this actual grammatical error within Brexit itself has proven to be a problem they're facing right now Mm. because they forgot about the existence of Northern Ireland and how that affects things. It was all there. The pedants were right all along.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the men of the internet.
0: (laughs) We should have a day. The men of the internet should have a day.
2: Uh, I believe that's every day. (laughs) Yeah, International Men's Day is every day.
1: Mm -hmm. We just get the 8th of March.
2: Yeah. Although I do love um, Aoife Martin on Twitter every day. She tweets,
3: happy International Men's Day. and I'm I like, do love oh. that. Yes. is amazing. Yeah. I saw a good one today because uh, it's Pancake Tuesday. It was, but when is Mancake Tuesday? Yes. <laughs> that was Kira, was yeah, 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 that was
1: it. But I love how we have never met before. And yet we've just spoke about two people who we all know because of Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The Twitter
0: friends. Yeah. yeah. Love that. So before we wrap up, do you want to tell us about your recent visit to Davos?
1: Yeah, I'm very fortunate to have been at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting this year. It was one of the most nerve-wracking, intimidating, but very exciting opportunities that I've had. I was in Geneva late last year to speak to the staff at the World Economic Forum. And I suppose prior to then, I had no real idea as regards to what it is that they did, particularly in a tangible way. And to see that they're an advisory board for a lot of the key messages and themes that we want to promote in business and government throughout the world and at that they kind of flippantly said have you any interest in coming to Davos and I was like "Uh, okay and I was very much aware that I wasn't a political leader nor was I CEO of a large conglomerate so the actual chances of me getting there would have been quite unusual Mm -hmm. but there are 3,000 delegates invited from political business and civic society and I suppose when I went initially, I kind of assumed that everybody had the same amount of speaking opportunities as me and they would get to meet the same interesting people. And to get to talk about topics such as education, design, language and disability was an extraordinary opportunity. And what for me, what was really incredible about Davos is often when you're trying to advocate for change, gatekeepers can be in the way and mm-hmm. they act on behalf of those whom they represent with the best possible heart and intention but the difficulty for you as an individual trying to create change is that can be a barrier or boundary and Davos is a place where it's in the middle of the Swiss Alps it's one street there are 3,000 people and you can literally meet with the heads of government the heads of banks and I suppose present them with a business opportunity with a creative opportunity empathy and a personal story that they can invest in and the way in which you can change with the world or just society or conversations in such an instantaneous way is incredibly gratifying and very scary. But yeah, I don't think I'll ever get that close to political leaders ever again. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> until, until, 2020, your until presidential 2028.
1: Until 2028. But it was extraordinary. And I think people are incredibly open. And I got to meet somebody like Lonnie Bunch, who is the founding director of the Smithsonian National History Museum for African-American Culture in Washington, D.C. And that museum is open a year. And for me, that's an incredible way in which you can bring together art, curation, personal history and narration of oppression, which can be quite difficult but important to tell. And particularly in a museum in the heart of D.C. and Washington and the power of storytelling to create change, but also to educate future generations. And then getting to meet royalty, I mean, like getting to meet Queen Rania of Jordan was one of those experiences that I will probably never forget. And yeah, it was just incredible. But you come home, like you're so preparing for it for such a long time and you're speaking engagements and then you come home you're like, oh, that's over. (laughs) What's next?
0: What was Queen Queen Rania (laughs) Rania wearing?
1: She was wearing the most incredible wine leather skirt and a blue silk blouse with a pussy bow necktie. And, yeah, she looked amazing. Her Instagram is just <laughs> incredible. But she happened to be in the audience for a speech that I gave at the end of last year, which I didn't know that she was there. And I was kind of walking through the plenary of Davos and she came up to me and she was like, hi, Sinead, I really enjoyed your talk at the Business of Fashion Voices. And I was like, oh, my God, is anybody else seeing? <laughs> uh, thankfully, she travels with a troop of paparazzi and they captured the moment. But I was like, oh, my God. I rang my mother straight away. I was like, "Mom, no, I just my Queen Rani of Jordan? <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was... Surreal. Surreal. And
3: did you meet Justin Trudeau and is he a ride in real life? So, very much a ride. Yes.
1: Newest. Newest. Spends far too much time talking about his socks. And I would I would query, imagine, an, I yeah, was just thinking, about yeah. oh, a
2: sock. As soon as you mentioned him, I was like, I pictured socks in my head. Well,
1: the, so the socks were spotted, as was the tie. And the tie was the inverse colour code of the socks. Oh, oh God. my
2: God. And I Doesn't really feel... too much time in his hands. See, I
1: feel like if a female politician or a woman politician spent this much time... Emphasizing their footwear, there would be huge amounts of questions asked. However, we get, we allow Var- Varadkar, Macron, and Trudeau to spend a lot of time talking about it, and I'll leave it at that. I wore tights today because.
3: This is, this is real life, not no. on colour-coding and matching your like, socks to another part of your outfit.
2: I had to go with a bare angle I because actually, socks just wouldn't have went. I actually <laughs> couldn't find socks, so I was like, oh, I can't wear jeans today, I have to wear a skirt.
0: In my new job, if I don't wear a tie, people assume I'm some sort of IT consultant. Oh. So, I have, so that's what happened today.
1: I love the idea of you just being Richard Ayoade. <laughs> 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 or no Fielding in the IT grid. I think you'd be able for that
0: fun story about the IT crowd Um, I was in when I was in UCD I was in a drama stock production with Chris O'Dowd it was a production of Winnie the Pooh I played Owl and he played Tigger
1: I feel like you need to tell us more about this
0: I I feel Um, like you don't
1: (laughs) (laughs) at all that says it all
0: Before we do finish up, there might be some people listening today who maybe might have uh, maybe just had a child who is a little person. They might have a niece or nephew or friend who is in that situation where they're expecting someone like that. Where can they find more information that they can be a better friend or family member?
1: Sure, you can contact me directly. My email is sinead.minimalange.com, M-I-N-N-I-E, M-E-L-A-N-G-E, not easy to say, not easy to pronounce, Hmm. or spell. Um, You can find me on Twitter or Instagram, my DMs are open, or if you'd like to make direct contact with Little People of Ireland, it's the organisation that my parents founded when I was seven, and they're still at the Helms, that's Kath and Chris, so please do get in touch, we would love to be of assistance in any way that we can.
0: Fantastic. Sinead, thank you so much for coming today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming in. Was yeah, it was great, great having yeah. you.
0: So it's a salon from me.
3: It's a salon from me. A salon from me.
1: And a salon from me. Slum.
0: See you next time.
3: Hi, guys. Garodine here again. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast episode today. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Mother Motherfucklore comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. If you can't wait that long, why not listen to some of the other amazing podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, such as Juvenilia. Thanks to Brian for producing today, Kirsten Cheel for the artwork and all of our contributors. If you want to contact the show, you can get us at motherfucklore at headstuff.org or motherfucklore on Twitter. Thanks, guys. See you next week.
0: Join us next week when we'll be discussing the highly controversial concepts of yes and no in Irish. Do they translate? Do they not translate? You'll find out soon.
3: Are they really hotly contested though?
0: (laughs) Hotly contested. Hotly. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
2: Oh okay. We just heard something In my own oh, head there yeah. No that I heard that too okay. Squeak Telepathic <laughs> Oh class <laughs>